This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. While you're turning your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 19, and they will get all the scriptures that we talk about today on the big screen for you. I'm teaching a series, preaching a series on the cross. I'm going to be speaking this morning about the seamless robe of Christ. Some of the details of the cross we rarely talk about. And uh, I want to spend uh, in these particular sermons some time with pertinent details that we could so easily miss, skim over, where we really do not get the fullness of the story about the cross. And so this morning as we talk about the seamless robe, I have found myself very intrigued and interested in studying some of the details that we really don't think about often. But I want to call your attention this morning to John chapter 19, and I'm going to read for you in verse 23 and verse number 24. The Bible says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Look at that. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, or in other words, gamble for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Last Sunday, I gave you a timeline on the events of Jesus from the time that he was in the upper room having his last supper with his disciples until the time that he got to the cross. I gave you, to the best of human calculation, the timeline of each one of these horrific, barbaric events that was inflicted upon the Savior from that time of leaving the upper room until the time that he got to Calvary. And as we think about the seamless robe of Christ in this particular study, I've tried to conduct a thorough search in the Word of God for spiritual truths that perhaps I have overlooked myself in the past. You know, it's amazing how you can open the Word of God, and if you're not careful, you can read a verse in warp speed, and you can read it today, you can read it tomorrow. If you're not looking for truth, if you don't pray, Lord, God, Holy Spirit, show me a truth today that I'm not aware of. Show me something in the Word today that I've never seen. Show me something that will bless me. In fact, that's the way we should read the Bible. We shouldn't just depend on giant print on the big screens. 
We, we all, and listen, if there's anybody here today or you watching by internet, you do not have a copy of God's word. You call the church, let us know. Every born-again believer ought to have a Bible that's not in the floorboard of their car. Everybody ought to have a Bible that's not on the coffee table. Everybody ought to have a Bible where you open it and you read it and you study it. The Word teaches us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And we have to open God's Word. And when we do, it ought not to be as if we're blindfolded and playing pin the tail on the donkey and just opening the Bible and say, wherever it lands is what I'm going to read. Now, you know, you can do that because wherever it lands, it's all good. I could take this Bible this morning and just let it fly open and preach right there. It's good. I don't know what it says right there, but I assure you it's good. I can preach from it right there. But that's not the way that you're going to benefit when you study when you open the word of God, you, you need to pray, God, Holy Spirit, show me a truth. Show me something today that would be not only a blessing to me, but in my opportunities that I could share to somebody else and encourage them and lift them up. So many times I think we get so far off track and bogged down and depressed because we don't know enough of God's word. The scripture says that we need to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against God. I can assure you that the more truth you know about God's word, the more scriptures you can quote. You'd be surprised how quickly you can put the enemy on the run in your life by knowing the truths of God's word. And and that's what I try to do in a series like this with a subject that we're so familiar with is to get deep in the word and maybe find a nugget, some kind of truth that we seem to overlook from time to time. And last Sunday we talked about the crown of thorns and today we're going to look at something that for most of our study on the crucifixion I think has gone unnoticed. And it delights me today to be able to open the word and share something perhaps that you've just not seen before or you've not really allowed the spirit to Sink it deep down into your heart. The Bible, if you look at this, says that the robe Jesus wore was woven from top to bottom and there was not a seam in it. That's important. And when I looked at this very carefully, I knew that I had found a treasure chest. Sometimes when you study the Word of God, God allows you to find a treasure chest. Some beautiful gems that you're just not repetitious in and you're sitting back and saying I've read that scripture a hundred times but today God the Holy Spirit has showed me something new and afresh and I as I think about this this has caused me to look a little deeper in the thought this morning in order to get the message out of this we have to understand the background the best that we possibly can so keep this in mind that when Jesus died on the cross Roman soldiers were at the foot of the cross gambling for his garments. In fact, I will tell you this, this is one of the many reasons that I am vehement against gambling. Now, you don't hear many sermons today about gambling, but I will tell you this is one preacher that's totally against it. Every time I, re- I can remember one day that I was in 
7-Eleven. I was buying a cup of coffee, and there were about four or five seniors in front of me, and they were all buying lottery tickets. I'm standing at the back, and I'm having to wait for this. I'm having to wait for them to scratch the numbers or however it is. I've never bought one. I don't know how to play it. But whatever it is that you do, and the man at the register was getting impatient with them. I mean, they thought they was at a casino. They thought they were at something big. I'm standing there waiting very, very patiently. And one of these elderly ladies turned around to me, and she said, Sonny, are you waiting in line to buy a ticket? I said, no, ma'am, I'm on a fixed income. But when you think about this, every time, listen, it may, it may mean something to you more than what it means to me, but I cannot look at one of those tickets without thinking about what these people were doing at the cross. These people were rolling dice. They were casting lots. They were gambling for the garments of Jesus. Here's the thing. But winning the possessions of those condemned was just simply one of the perks of the positions that they held. Now keep in mind this, the crucifixion or a crucifixion was a common practice of Romans to execute their criminals. They did this all the time. In fact, some of the streets in Jerusalem were aligned with crosses all up and down the road on both sides. The soldiers who were in charge of carrying out all of these executions, they amused themselves in the process of gambling for the garments of the people who were being executed. I mean, it became a bloody sport for them. It was entertainment for them. But people... Typical criminals were hanging on these crosses and they were down below gambling for their possessions. They took great pleasure in this, but I want you to let this sink in your heart today. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. He's hanging on the cross. He is suffering physically. He's suffering emotionally. He is also suffering spiritually when God the Father had turned his back upon him Jesus is hanging there on the cross, dripping every drop of blood out of his body to the dirt of the ground that it might produce salvation for every human soul that would call upon his name. He was on the cross dying for the sins of the world. There's no doubt in my mind that the angels of heaven were hovering over this event, just waiting for the signal, just waiting for God the Father to say something like this. You know, it was in my heart, it was in my plan to provide redemption and salvation for the human beings that I created out of the dust of the ground. Long before Adam and Eve sinned, I could see Jesus, my only son, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. You know, I thought about this. God could have said, you know, I thought about redemption, I thought about salvation, But now here we are at the cross and people are just doing some of the most unimaginable things to him. 
Isn't it amazing that God did not say but could have said, that's enough. Sometimes during Easter season especially, we sing this song, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But he didn't do that. The word says he died alone there for you and me. But you think about this just for a moment. I think angels were hovering over the events of the cross just waiting for God to give them some kind of signal to interrupt this. But had God interrupted that, there would have absolutely been no aspect of redemption and every single one of us would have died, eventually died and gone to hell. God himself who is also now bearing horrific pain, I believe, in his heart and his bosom. He knows that there is no other way. Jesus had prayed three times in the garden, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. God said, no, my son, it's the only way. You have to die. And here just a few yards away from the cross are the Roman soldiers throwing dice for the blood-stained garments of our precious Lord Jesus. And in my study, I noticed something that I've never given a whole lot of thought to, and I want to pass that on to you this morning. On the day of crucifixion, Jesus had two garments. This is significant. It was to me in my study, in which these Roman soldiers turned into five. One of the garments he had, they tore into four parts. Now, you may have never given much thought to this, but here I noticed that there were four soldiers in charge of the crucifixion because of what John 19, 23 says. Look at it again. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart. To me, that was a significant thing to notice, a significant observation. And also his coat. Four parts now to his garments and also now the coat. This is particularly what we're talking about today. His coat was without seam, look at it, woven from the top throughout. Then after they had ripped his main garment into four pieces, the Bible mentions his outer coat, and it says specifically that it was without seam. And here's something that I gave a little thought to. Perhaps Mary, his mother, had made this coat for him. When you read about the childhood of Samuel in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Hannah made a coat for Samuel. It was typical for mothers back in this day and age to make coats for their children. So in all probability, this garment that now had been divided into four parts, his outer garment being five, there's no doubt in my mind because of history and biblical records and account that Mary probably was the one who had made this coat for Jesus. And let me say this, a lot of times there's a message in our clothing. You think about it just for a moment. You can see it quite often in words 
that are printed on millions of t-shirts. We see them everywhere, pretty much every day. I mentioned to you not too long ago, and I have referenced this on a number of occasions when I've preached my annual Bible prophecy sermon series in the month of January. Several years ago, I was in the mall, and there was a young kid walking around, looked totally lost and desperate and needed some type of intervention in his life. You could just see it. I mean, the other day I was in there, I was doing some walking. Brother David inspired me to lose some weight. He told me, he said, what, what is this day now? It's significant, 30 what? You, six months, six months to the day that he started losing weight. 39 pounds? I said two months to, or two weeks to the day I fell off the wagon. <laughs> yeah, I hit the ground hard too. I was doing some walking and this guy, he's walking around with his pants down to his knees. And, and I'm walking by him, and he gets this kung fu thing out on me. And he's got his pants down to his knees. I looked at him like he, which he was crazy. And I got to thinking about this. Wouldn't it be funny if somebody pulled the fire alarm and he had to walk out? That would be funny. <laughs> but this kid was in the mall and he had this he had this t-shirt on. I mean it gripped my spirit. He said, American by birth, but antichrist by choice. I I want when I saw it, I wondered instantly. How many times his mother took him to church? Did he, did he have a youth pastor? Was he in a Sunday school class? Did he have a pastor? How many sermons did he ever hear? 13, 14 years old. How does it get that way? I will tell you this. Those of you that are still raising children, you better put more stock into raising children than you do your dog. Clothing says a lot about us. Our businesses, they're advertised on clothes. Our political opinions, sometimes, they're advertised on clothes. I mean, on wedding days, the bride usually wears a beautiful white dress. When people stand at a graveside, they usually wear black to speak of their mourning. Many times what we wear, our clothes, sends out a message. And because the Holy Spirit made it a detail of the crucifixion to mention the garments, the clothes that Jesus was wearing, I began to look for a message coming from this seamless robe. And this is what I believe this coat was saying. Number one, quickly, if you're following along with me in the outline, the first thing that the seamless garment speaks to me about was the fulfillment of Scripture. In Psalms chapter 22, verse number 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. 
Now, when you look at this, this scripture was written almost a thousand years before the crucifixion. And this just goes to show you how true the word of God is. I'm telling you from Genesis to Revelation, it will never change. God's word is true. God will never work outside of the Bible. Listen, you get to listening to all of these preachers and teachers on television and radio. You read all the magazines and you watch all the videos. Let me help you with something. God, and I don't care who said it, God will never, ever work outside of the Holy Scripture. He cannot work outside of his word. It's settled in heaven forever. Understand this truth now. A thousand years before the cross, it was prophesied that they would tear the garments of Jesus and that they would gamble for them. And this is exactly what happened. It just goes to show you that the word of God is true. And friend, it came to pass just like the Holy Spirit said it would. Everything in the Bible has come to pass or it will come to pass in the future of prophecy. Now, because it was prophesied that they would gamble for his garments, and they did, it goes to show you just how much in control God was of this event. So please understand this. The cross was not something that just popped up into the angry hearts of the Jewish Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, or the Romans. God himself had prearranged all of these necessary things. And this proves to all of us that Jesus was indeed the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. This event was the fulfillment of Scripture. Number two, look at your bulletin this morning. The garments of Jesus portrays a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, the seamless robe of Jesus does that for us in an incredible way. I want you to look at a verse here in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Because this seamless robe speaks to us about the humility of the Lord. In Luke chapter 2 verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. That speaks of his humility, those swaddling clothes. But this seamless robe also speaks of a picture of faith. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 20 and 21, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may touch his garment, I shall behold. But it also gives us a picture of the mockery that was going on at the cross. In John 19, 2, the word says, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. So it does speak to us and gives us a picture. Now, when I think of the seamless garment, I'm reminded of the sinless perfection of Jesus. In John 19, verse 23, let's read it again. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout Here's a garment from top to bottom without a scene. Look at it carefully. I'm telling you without a blemish. Just for a moment now, I want you to picture with me Jesus on the cross. Can you see him there? He is sinless. He is perfect. He is holy. He is spotless. Not one bad deed did he ever do. His garments spoke of his perfection. 
In fact, on two occasions in the Bible, God looked down on his son and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Even Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate said this three times, I find no fault in him. And friend, Jesus did something that you and I are not capable of doing. He conquered all temptations. He experienced all manners of sorrows. He never one time ever committed one single sin. And so the seamless robe reminds us of his perfection. But it also reminds us of our sin. The Bible says that we are all sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when I think about the garments or the clothing of Jesus and how that he was perfect, it reminded me of the fact that not only are we sinners by birth, as that young man wore that T-shirt in the mall, but we are also sinners by choice. Not only sinners by birth, but sinners by choice. The whole story about you and me as sinners can be first told by the first story of clothing mentioned way back in the Bible in Genesis uh, chapter 1, 2, and 3. The first time that clothing is ever mentioned in the Scripture takes place in the Garden of Eden. At first, God had created Adam and Eve without clothing. You know the story. Most of you do anyway. He created them in a perfect environment, and the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed is what the Scripture says. And so at first, they were clothed in innocence. Then sin entered into their mind. Sin entered into their heart. And because of their choice, the choice that they made to disobey God, that choice stripped them of their innocence. They immediately became aware of their nakedness. And the Bible says that Eve tried to sew fig leaves together to provide some sort of covering for them. And let me say this, ever since that day, people are still trying to sew fig leaves over their lives right now. They're trying so hard to cover one sin after another. We live in a world where people try to justify every wrong they do. And listen, we've got to get to the place, folks, where we stop playing the blame game, where we start taking responsibility of our own selves. People today, we're living in a world today, it's saturated, it's filled with people. I never knew my father. My mother smoked crack. My babysitter drunk me. I, listen, we got to get to the place where we realize we are sinners. We are born sinners on our way to hell. We need a Savior. We have to admit that. Now listen, Proverbs 28 verse 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We need to stop trying to sow fig leaves on our sin and get it under the blood. Nail it to the cross and get it under the blood. Number three, look at this. It reminds us that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. That's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 3. I want you to see something else here in the gospel of Mark. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14, and I want us to look at verse 57 through 63. I found this to be interesting. Perhaps you will too. 
It reminds us of the filthy rags that we are entwined with. The scripture says in Mark 14, verse 57, And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build it another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest, look, this is careful. This is careful study. I want you to look at it now. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now look at this. This is significant. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we any further witness? Now when the high priest rent his clothes and accused Jesus of blasphemy, immediately they begin to spit on him and they begin to beat him. But here's something to note in a careful study of this event. The high priest who was involved in this illegal interrogation, he broke the law himself when he rent his clothes against Jesus. There's a scripture, you may not have time to turn to it. Fellas, get it on the screen as quick as you can. In Leviticus chapter 21 and verse number 10, I want you to look at this. The high priest, when he rent his clothes, that means he got so angry, he got so fed up that he just began to tear his clothes off of his body. He rent his clothes. If you've ever wondered what that means in the scripture, that's what they did. They would tear their clothes off of their body. That's what the high priest did. But he was breaking the law himself, what he was actually accusing Jesus of, And Leviticus 21, verse 10, And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that it is consecrated, look at this, to put on the garments, shall not, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. And so when this high priest was doing that against Jesus, he was breaking the law himself. It was against the Levitical law to do this. And when I studied that, it was a picture of how Jesus was our true high priest. The false high priest tore his robe. But the seamless robe of Jesus was not torn. But something just as important was. And that was in Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks did rend. And so God reached down and took the veil that had separated man from the holy of holies, where the presence of God was an opened up way for men to come to Jesus to the throne. And so when I read this story and I study it carefully, listen, The seamless robe reminds us of the fulfillment of scriptures, the perfection of Jesus, that we are sinners by choice, not only by birth, and that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And lastly, number four, and I want to ask our musicians to come forward. 
it also reminds us of the righteous exchange that Jesus made on the cross. On the cross, Jesus made a provision for us to go to heaven. Think about this. There was no other way. Any person who wants to go to heaven, and listen carefully, this is one of those things you got to listen all the way through and not hear part of it and turn the radio off. But here's the thing. Any person that wants to go to heaven has to have the right garment. And I'm going to explain that to you, so listen carefully. Somebody might say, I've never heard that in all my life, preacher. When Jesus died on the cross, they laid his garment aside. They gambled for four pieces of it. One of them would win it, and he would walk away. And so this is a picture of how that Jesus, when he was dying, listen now, he laid aside his garments of righteousness, and he took upon himself our sin on the cross. The spotless, perfect, sinless Lamb of God took upon himself my sin and your sin. You've heard the old song. It's so true. I'm the one that should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. Listen, it was a righteous exchange. Jesus took off his righteousness and he took upon, he exchanged his garment of righteousness. He exchanged it for my sin. He exchanged it for your sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus died on the cross, he laid aside his righteousness and he took upon himself our sin. Jesus laid down the righteousness, listen now, his garment of righteousness, and he took upon himself the garment of sin. And so when I go to heaven, listen now, when I go to heaven, when I've gone the last mile of the way, I take my last breath when I go to heaven. Listen, I'm not going to go to heaven in my righteousness, but I'm going to go to heaven in the righteousness of God. The songwriter said, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. I cannot get there in my own way. I have no righteousness to take me there. Jesus laid his righteousness aside, took upon my sin that I could go to heaven in his righteousness. Somebody say amen. Wow. You won't get this now just skimming over John 19, 23, and 24. There's so much to be seen in this seamless robe of Christ. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.